Last week, if you missed our conversation and you haven't been able to catch up on it yet, like many of you have, I know because you've messaged me, uh, I would encourage you to go back and catch up on that on YouTube or podcasts or whatever way is easy for you because I think, um, I know it was a pivotal conversation. And I know as we leave chapter one and as we now enter chapter two as our journey, so much is to be caught from that message, not necessarily understood. It's not about knowing something. It's about sensing a way that God is leading us as a community. And so uh, if you haven't caught up yet, uh, I hope you would catch up. And I wanted to actually give you some further reading um, if you're interested in that. So hopefully we can put that on the screen. And you can just take a photo of it, okay? Some things that you could go and read further. Um, so grab your phone out. Here's some book recommendations if you want to catch what we're talking about and where we're going. Um, I'll give you some time to do that. I'm actually quite passionate about telling you less, but helping, just making you hungry or thirsty enough to go find something for yourself a little bit more. Because I realize that we can, in our lives, sit under fantastic teaching our entire lives, but actually remain unchanged. Because it's not the quality of the message that makes a difference. Lots of people were not changed by Jesus' message. It's, it's ability to work itself into our lives and us to find the word for ourselves in the presence of God. And so there's that, and there's also some verses, uh, some chapters that I would recommend you reading and meditating on and taking some time to take some notes on. So here are those, and it's great to see you um, grabbing those. It's awesome. Uh, so that's that. Um, we, I, I want to also say before we talk today about uh, just, I, it's the end of the financial year um, this coming week. And I want to talk about that because the last financial year has been crazy. Just, it, you know, like this, this Sunday last year was our first Sunday in lockdown as a, as a community. And, you know, we we're all doing whatever it is that we were doing. And uh, it's been a crazy journey for most people. It's been, it had a whole bunch of uncertainty. And then past the uncertainty, there's been a lot of um, downturn for some people. And then there's been like a lot of uh, upturn for other people, but not without the stress and the pressure of that. And it's important that we just take a pause at the end of the financial calendar to go, whether you've experienced the downturns or the upturns or all of those things, we're all still here. And I don't know if you've taken time to think on this. I felt God really challenged me about this. If you own your own home, like I'm sure many of you do, and if you're trying to own a, a home at the moment, I feel like I should say sorry, but it's not my fault. Um, but the, if you do own your own home, have you even just stopped to think over the last financial year how much God has blessed you because of that this year? Like how much your net wealth, net worth has increased because of God's blessing, just taking some time to go, man, a lot of it might have not turned out how I thought, but I've been blessed in that regard this year. And it's important to note those things. But I also want to just say, like, uh, thank you as your pastor for your faithfulness in the tithes and in giving over this last year, because there were times of uncertainty for us as a church too. And like going, oh, how is this going to impact things? And if we're not meeting together physically, is that, is that going to affect finances and all of those sorts of things? But I'm very happy to say that you are very faithful. You're very faithful in those things. And without, I think 
I think people in Kirei understand these two things, and that's what I love. I, I think you understand that we're part of a family, and therefore being part of a family means we don't just take, we contribute, that we're a partaker in the life of the families. And I think you understand that financially. I think you understand this other thing which we've talked about in the past about like honoring God and the spiritual practice of the tithe and regular generosity expressed through our local church and how that is actually a great spiritual practice for depending on God in all of our lives and is a great principle to live by. And I think you really understand that on mass. And so I just want to thank you at the end of the financial year for your faithfulness because because of it, we haven't had to lay people off. We haven't had to, uh, you know, change our plans apart from just be a little bit more conservative in some things. And we're able to stand here today still putting vision before what God wants to do. But all of that's actually possible because of you. So thank you, thank you, and thank you. My goal today um, is to whet your appetite for freedom. Maybe it doesn't need wedding, but maybe it needs some understanding about what Jesus really means when he says he comes to set us free. And to help you see that freedom and this chapter two journey aren't two separate things, but are like this. They are one and the same. And that's sort of my goal today. The Bible says some powerful things about freedom. Some powerful things about freedom. Like in Galatians 513, it says, for you were called to freedom. In Galatians 5.1, it says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Or in the words of Jesus in John 8.36, he says, for if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Free for sure, free fully and wholly. 2 Corinthians 3.17, this is a good one for worship leaders, love this one. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Can anyone here, brave heart? Freedom! Choose this day. Freedom. Jesus again in John 8.31. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The problem and the beauty of language is that it means different things to different people. And just because we're saying the same words doesn't mean we mean the same thing. That a lot can get lost in translation even though the right word is used. And so I ask these questions. What is freedom? What is freedom? When we say freedom, and when you get excited about freedom, what is it that you're imagining? What do you mean when you say, I want to be free? What does Jesus mean when he says he's come to give you freedom? And is what he meant the same thing you're imagining or hoping might happen? Who is free? And who is not free? And who does Jesus say is truly free? These are important questions to wrestle with 
Because otherwise we might read these scriptures and be hoping for something that Jesus isn't actually coming to try and give us. And we might be living in a lie or living disappointed. I want to sum it up like this for today's conversation. It's more than this, but this is the starting place. Freedom is an invitation to live inside out. Freedom is an invitation to live from the inside of you outward. It's why in the ancient Proverbs, in Proverbs 4.23, it says, keep your heart, or some you maybe know the translation, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your inner world with all vigilance. For from it flow the things of life. This is this internal outflow in our lives. But in our highly politicized world, where we are told to think of freedom as an outside-in thing, that freedom is about less restriction, is about less rules, and is about more options. If only I could completely define my life as myself wants to define it, if I could define my gender, if I could define my sexuality, if I could define my identity, then I would be free. And if all the external pressures would agree with me, then I would be free. If any label that anyone would put on me, or if there's any history of oppression, that needs to be righted before I can be free. This is the way we see freedom in our world. This is probably what comes to mind more than what Jesus meant when we hear the words freedom. In fact, our world probably understands it like this, and hopefully it'll be on the screen to help us comprehend it. Um, the, the, this is sort of the way we see it in the world, the way we're taught to see it in our secular world, that we are born innocent, happy and whole, and our inner child, child or self is good. That effectively we came into this world pure. However, families, bad experiences, externally given identities, cultural uh, traditions and religious restrictions make us unhappy and give us low self-esteem. We are good. The world has some bad stuff that we're trying to make good. And then the third thing is, through escaping these things, these binding commitments, these externally given identities, these traditions and religious restrictions, we discover our inner self that can guide us. Is this sounding like your Instagram feed? Or like our pop wisdom, just follow your heart? that I hear in church all the time, but when you read your Bible, it says the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know its ways? And so then four, now that we've finally got out of these restrictions, now through finding missing elements in our lives, such as a soulmate, a meaningful career, an enjoyable experience, material things, or here's the big one in our world, exercising our self-expression, our lives can be filled with pleasure and meaning. We are good. All of these structures and systems in our world are bad other than the ones that certain people make. And therefore we need to get free of them so that now we can fill our lives with whatever we want. That is freedom to our world. Which we don't have time to go into at all, but the Bible says that we're born into iniquity. 
Psalm 51, that even from the womb we know sin. It's, I don't probably have to convince you of that because it's in you, right? It's not just out there. And rather than needing to get free of all of these things, we do have to be able to pull them apart and, um, and understand them, but we cannot certainly blame them because we live within them whether we like them or not. And it's actually that Jesus wants to come into our life and lead us to a type of freedom that's inside out where even Paul could write to a slave, you can be free, even within your slavery. It's like confronting to our definitions of freedom. I wonder, do you believe that you can be free if you're still oppressed? Can you be free if you're a minority? Can you be free if you're poor? Can you be free if you don't own your own home? Can you be free if you're moldy? Can you be free if you're a woman? Can you be free if you're not white? Because our rhetoric in our world says that there's all of these things that need to be torn down. And I'm not saying that there aren't wrong things that need to be right, made, made right. I'm just saying that's not what freedom is really getting at. Because when you read your Bible, you can find out slaves can be free. Oppressed peoples can be free. Refugees can be free. Colonized people can be free. Every single one of us can be free because it's an inside-out thing, not an outside-in thing. Of course, when people are free on the inside out, the natural result is to create environments of freedom outside in for people. But let's not confuse what Jesus, where he's beginning the work. I wrote this. Um, if you ask your kids, well, we've got four kids. If you ask my kids, what does it mean to be free? They would say this, doing whatever I want. It's an adolescent or an immature or a childish version of freedom, but that our world is childish. Our world is adolescent. Our world is youthful in its aspirations, and therefore we define freedom the same way. Have you ever wondered what actually makes someone free? Not like the Byron Bay, Mount Monganui, Sea Gypsy, Insta Rubbish, Freedom Camping Free but the Shawshank Redemption type. Not the freedom from responsibility or commitments or pressure, but the Viktor Frankl or the Nelson Mandela type. The mercy and forgiveness given to a murderer who killed your son type of freedom. There's a freedom that's not of self-reliance and abundance of choices, but a freedom of heart, a freedom that has the ability to choose love over jealousy and forgiveness over gossip or peace and trust in the midst of uncertainty. It's a freedom that doesn't hold people's wrongs against them and it doesn't need the whole world to know that we know what we know. It's a freedom that doesn't need people to do what we say or think like we think. A freedom that's feelings are not swayed by the opinions of others being liked or being understood. A freedom that comes from the inside out and nothing on the outer, no matter how oppressive, could ever dim it. 
A freedom when you become compelled by love, not obligation. When the have-tos become want-tos. It shows up in healthy marriages, in great friendships, in humble servants, and in healthy and free souls. It's the type of freedom that Jesus came to give. We must hear his freedom when we read the words of freedom. Jesus would say in John 10 verse 18, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. So Jesus never felt obligated to do anything that he ever did because he knew the Father and he knew the love of the Father and he saw the joy of the children he loved returning to him. So it was never an obligation or a have to, it was a willingly want to. And even in the struggle on the night before he would give his life for us, he goes, not my will, but yours be done. I want your will in my life, God, above my own, not in an obligation like I have to, but somehow believe my way is smarter. But I need to do this to please you, but I love you so much, why would I want to do any other's will? And we are free when we are so changed on the inside that we become compelled by love and not obligation. When we have such an encounter with God, when we spend time with him face to face, where we know his words and we know his love and we know his tenderness, we know his joy, we know his peace, we know that he wills our good. And when we have spent time in that place that we are no longer living following Jesus from obligation, from ticking boxes, from doing enough religious duties, but we are compelled by a love for him to want to sync up our will with his. That's freedom. That's freedom. Freedom is when a worship leader doesn't have to ask you to put up your hands And when they do, you feel obligated. Nobody ever has to tell you to cheer for your favorite sports team when they score a try. But when you know God, people have to tell you to put your hands down. No, if you thought this morning, oh yeah, we've got to go to church in that got to obligating way, you're not free. If when you think of spending some time with God in the day and you think, oh yeah, I've got to do that to feel good about my relationship with him, you haven't found freedom. This message is going to disappoint some people. I'm trying to awaken you that you, you haven't got what he's talking about. If you feel like you have to give, that you have to serve, You have to do these things. You are compelled by obligation and not love and therefore have not discovered what Jesus meant when he said, I've come to set the captives free. He came to a religious society where people thought if they did all of these right things, then they would finally get with God. I came to set those captives free of realizing that you are already loved. Now let that love so transform you from the inside out that you just, you don't have to think, oh yeah, I better try not steal. 
Why would you want to do that to someone else? You don't have to think this is what Jesus said. Like, it's not enough to not commit adultery. He's like, he's saying, just don't even look at someone that way. And you're like, that seems impossible. Not if you want what he wants. Because all of a sudden you don't, you don't see that way. You've, it's changed from the inside out. And this is the freedom he is talking about. This freedom will change your marriage. It's like, I have to do the dishes. Or I have to not try cheat on my wife. But when you're compelled by love, it's a, it's a different thing. It's not even on the same planet of operation in life. When the have-tos become want-tos. This is where people misunderstand it in worship leader's favorite one in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, with this, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We read that like, I just need to get in that freedom room. Like I need to get into an environment where the spirit is, because when the spirit's there, I'll like catch some freedom. And certainly there are times like that, but I've been doing this long enough to have many beautiful Sunday moments where the spirit and the presence of the Lord is so thick and people leave unchanged. But that's not what this verse means. It's like, if you read it in context, it, we get understand it more through Galatians 5.25. It says, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. He's not saying if you just get near the spirit, people. He's saying if you learn from the inside out to walk in the Spirit's ways, not the law ways that are outside in, but the Spirit's ways that are inside out, oh, you will know freedom. It's like Jesus says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, but we missed the bit before that. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Because we, we think truth, we think knowing means I know the answer, right? Like I don't have to really believe it beyond agreeing with it, but it's like doing an exam and being like, I know the answer. I write it down. I know the truth. I know the answer. Jesus loves me. Jesus died for me. Jesus created the world. You know, I know the answer, the truth. And, that, and then we're wondering why is those truths not setting us free? Because it's not what this is talking about. To know is to walk in is what it's talking about. And the truth isn't some correct doctrines. It's Jesus. Because Jesus says, I am the truth. The truth word actually in the Greek word means reality. So actually what Jesus is saying is not, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Like if you know the right things, you will be free. Although there is points of where we need to agree with God. And I'm not discounting that. I'm just trying to go deeper, okay? I'm not trying to exclude all the other things. We're trying to go deeper to what Jesus really means. Jesus is saying, not if you know the truth, like you agree with me, you'll be free. He's saying, if you learn to walk in reality, you will be free. If you learn to walk in the world as it actually is, not as it appears to be. If you learn to walk in the world like Jesus learned to walk in it, in the kingdom ways, as if God actually reigns, as if he actually is working in this world, as if he actually loves us, 
as if he's actually his ways that are so upside down actually work. If you walk in this reality with Jesus as the king of his kingdom, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's really what he's talking about. So this year, as we go on this freedom journey, I want you to understand why there are powerful moments, and I'll talk about those in a sec. It's about following Jesus. This freedom way is about rediscovering the heart of discipleship. It's not a message. It's not just a moment. It's not just something to get excited about. It's a complete undoing of our lives that they might be redone by the grace of God. And I want to be honest, like Jesus was honest, the cost of discipleship is everything. In the same way for Jesus to give us freedom, it costs them everything. It will cost you everything. This is not some undersell. But the costs peril in comparison to what you've gained. The person who found the pearl of great price, as Jesus says, and then went away and dug it back into the, the dirt and ran away to sell everything they possibly could so they could buy the land with the pearl of great price in it. It cost them everything, but they didn't care because they discovered the best thing. And that's our journey this year. However, there are moments of freedom that really matter. There are moments of freedom that really matter. could say it like this, so we could put it on the screen, screen, to bring the gospel and free people from their sins, but leave them in bondage to the rest of our enemies' vices is not the gospel. It's not the good news. But likewise, to bring the good news, release people from bondage to the world, but leave them in bondage to their sins is not the gospel. The gospel of Jesus brings liberation to the whole person. I don't know if you've ever been in a mud bath. I don't know if it's like a popular thing. You can think of suits and mudding, you know. Lewis Litt. You get in the river, you coat some mud on you. It's supposed to be good for you, certain types of mud, you know, volcanic ones and all of that. But then when you stay out of the water, it cakes on your skin. It dries and it's hard. And then when you go to move, it restricts your movement and it has to crack and it, it, you're no longer as free as you once were because you're covered in this mud. In our lives, that's what happens to our souls. The mud of the world gets on us. The mud of things people have said to us, the mud of things we've been involved with that have created like spiritual hooks in our souls, the mud of trauma, undealt with, or forgiveness not given, it's like coats our souls in mud. So many of us live way too many years with a lot of mud all over our hearts. And there are moments where Jesus comes by his spirit to wash away that mud with the waters of his presence, but the waters of his, of his word. And we're believing that this year and next year to see a lot of the mud just washed off your soul. In fact, we're doing this course, and it's going to take us like two years probably to get everyone in the church through it. It's called Freedom. 
and it takes like 14 weeks, but you'll never be the same again. Because while freedom's a journey, like I was talking about learning to live inside out, it's moments too that free us to truly do that. And so we're excited to go on that freedom journey with you as well. I'm going to pray for us as we continue into chapter two. And hopefully you have some idea of what freedom means. If you're looking for things that you could read further about freedom this week, read John chapter eight. Read Galatians chapter five. Read 2 Corinthians chapter three. Ask about it in your small groups. Talk about it with your family and your friends and go, what does this mean? Do I have it? And if I don't have it, let it be your prayer to God. Just show me the ways of freedom, God. Show me the ways of freedom so that the church can walk free. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have come to set us free. And God, we cast off the images of freedom that the world has convinced us are true and help us to read your scriptures and to know your voice and to know the freedom as you came to give it. Lord, wash our hearts and our souls of the mud that has been caked on way too long that we might walk in your ways of freedom. May our times with you personally and communally be so rich in this freedom journey. In Jesus' name.